1: Now, once in a while, when a person becomes a little prickly, it's kind of good. Because maybe, watch this now, you might have stepped over your bounds. And you did do something or not do something that you really honestly should have as a Christian. But those people who tend to throw up their quills constantly, you ask yourself, why don't I have a lot of friends? Why aren't I asked to go out for a lot of meals? How come my kids don't want to walk with me in the mall? How come I can't be able to be on a a committee where people just uh, look to my advice for, for respect? It could happen because you tend to be a little bit more prickly. Now, we'll all have little prickly moments in our life, but if our whole tendency is to be prickly, or worse yet, we're prickly one day and we're smooth as silk the next day, and prickly the next day and smooth as silk the next day. We don't know what kind of a signal that's being sent out from you, so people then say, you know, I don't know what we're going to get. fee five fo fum are we going to get a monster today? Are we going to get a genuine person filled with the fullness of the Spirit of God that has love Joy, peace, all these things that eliminates the prickliness from us. So let's be a chooser to say, I choose to handle my life with grace. And I choose to love people. I choose to let God help in the life of my son and my daughter and my wife and my husband. And some of you kids, you choose to do the things that you know that's right in your heart of hearts. And you do it and don't blame others for it not getting done because mom and dad had failed. You choose to love them and you let God deal with them. That's a chooser. In this church right here for you guests, I want you to know this church is not filled with accusers and excusers. This church is filled with people that are choosing to do this. They're learning how to do this. They have a pastor that's learning how to do this because we want to be all that God wants us to be. Let's quickly go to number three. We need to acquire the attitude of gratitude. I'm moving in for the most important truth in this passage. But before I get there, we have to acquire the attitude of gratitude. I'm wondering if the people that have a propensity for complaining about how things are going. I don't just mean outwardly. That's almost the person out of control when they are just going crazy. I'm talking about the person who hasn't really had a heart change yet. I'm wondering if they haven't learned to give thanks in everything for this is the will of God concerning us. Now, I'll be frank with you, it's not easy to be thankful, especially when you work so hard and you get so farther behind because people are not carrying their responsibility. I know that's hard. But those who are generally healthier are the ones that have a better testimony for the Lord. And the ones that are healthier are ones that are saying, you know what, this isn't me, this is God. And I'm going to say, Lord, I want to thank you. Now here's what I'm saying. Instead of looking how far you have yet to go, or how high the wall is of getting your, the lives of your kids changed or your parents or your mates changed or, or your business changed. Instead of seeing how high that is and you keep banging your head against that wall. For just a moment, remember that God brought you this far. You are the man. You're the woman. You're the guy. You're the gal of the hour that he wants to use. And so lower those quills of prickliness and say, all right, Lord, I want to center down on you. What are you teaching me here? Is it more faith, more perseverance, more patience, more love? What can I do to be a part of this solution? Maybe it's so tough to break through is because they're reacting to me. And if I soften, they'll soften and we can go to the, to the finish line for a touchdown. I, I don't know, but it has to be the attitude of gratitude. We cannot grumble through this thing. We have to rest upon the Lord. All right, here's number four, and I want you to put a star by this one because if you didn't hear all the list of the whiners and all the different ways to solve your problem, if you wanted one huge biblical principle, and this is the only one you could learn today, this is it. This is the one I want to give to you that you could take with you. All the other stuff will come together if you got this one. Number four, attempt to see God's hand in those circumstances. This is the difference between the immature Christians and the mature Christians. And this is not an indictment. This is to give you a carrot for you to go on to maturity. So let me give you this right now. Here's what it says. And I'm going to read it to you, but follow along this verse. It is critical, but try to read it in light of the trouble that you have right now in your life that you tend to be griping about. It says this, For our light affliction is but for a moment. Now let me stop for a moment. I don't know how heavy of an affliction you have. I don't know how, and I say this in love and not a criticalness, how weak you might be because you've been carrying the burden for so long. I don't know that. But for right now, you, I, I, would, I would like you to at least momentarily see that affliction as being light when you compare it to all of eternity. No matter how bad this world is, you're going to heaven. So that still is lighter than those people that will die and go to hell. So it's a light affliction. And notice what else it says, but for a moment. Now for us, we look at life, it's so long, and you teenagers for a moment, it is easy. You think your whole life is ahead of you. So for every little problem that you have where your parents might ground you from TV or the email or or going to functions, for that night, it feels like it's eternity in the light of how dramatic your world is. I still want you to know it's a light thing, and it's only for a moment compared to the bigger things that are going on in your life. And so just... Accept it for a moment from God. If you can't accept it from them, accept it from God. Then it says this, is working for us. Underline the phrase for us. It's not against you. It's not to put you down. It's not to squash you. It's not to uh, uh, marginalize you or minimize you. It's for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I can't even give you uh, enough time to give you the explanations of all of this and all the wonderful adjectives and superlatives of these words exceeding, eternal weight of glory. Then go on, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen. That's critical. So instead of looking at what you see at work, what you see at home, the things that you can visualize or things you can personally control, why we don't look at those things, but at the things which are not seen. In other words, whatever physically is happening, there's something spiritually bigger than that behind it. And that happens to be God. And he's working through this. It says, for the things which are seen are just temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, would you write next to that verse there in all capital letters, one word for me? Would you write the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, faith? It's going to take faith. Now, the good news is it's not how much faith. It's going to have the little bit of faith that you have, but it has to be in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, if some of you think that we're not, that that, that Carol and I are, are not, you know, how can I say, um... Beyond all this, let me let me tell you. Just just this morning alone, <clears throat> um, we we got here to the office, and uh, I'm I'm rushing in because I took 14 pictures of all of the people who worked yesterday. I didn't have my camera on Friday night. And I really regret it because the, the people that worked on Friday night did a great job with the with the Hot Wheels thing, and so I wanted to get some. I'm in the office and I'm typing away, and Carol says, "Hey." I can't tell you the name of the person, but a very significant family member of Carol's called in the masculine context. And they were talking and he he wanted to speak to me. I said, okay. And so you put down everything when this particular person wants to speak to you because there's importance in your life. And so he said, hey, I want you to know, Stan, that houses aren't selling there in Blue Ridge. In fact, all up in our area, there's so many houses on the market. There's over 60 houses last week went on the market. Nobody's buying houses. Why don't you just leave and move back home? You've got a beautiful house up on top of a mountain. It's got everything here for you. Why don't you just leave and come back home where, where everybody loves you, everybody wants you. You've got a great thing going on over here. And so this person, I, I said, um, you know, what would I do for employment there? Ah, you'll find something. And all I can figure out is I'd probably be pumping gas at some, you know, place, because I don't know. And right then, right then, I was, um, <clears throat> I was getting a little testy in my spirit. And then I shot back this answer. And this is what really cared, carried me. I said, you know, I love our church, our people so much. I know we've had challenges since we've been here. And I know our house isn't sold. I said, but I love these people in all my heart. I love Hawaii and these people on the island." And I love you, and I'm sending Carol home in two weeks for three weeks to be with you guys. I'm, I'm trying to connect to you to stay connected to family, but I can't leave these people. They need us. Well, I just want you to know, I want you to come back home if you can get back home. I said, okay. And we ended real well. We, we always do. And so I spun around. I'm now finishing up getting this ready for Pastor Dennis And Pastor Charlie comes in. Hey, Pastor, got some good news, bad news. Let me start out with the good news. I said, sure, tell me good news. She says, I'm here and we've got a great day. I love that. I love that about staff people. All of them are like that. Hey, got a great day. And I said, here's the bad news. Something happened on the second floor where all all your belongings are that the dehumidifier did not empty into the bucket. And you've got your stuff floating in water on the second floor. And he said, "But don't worry, we can get up there and get it after the service." I said, "Well, it'll probably be after three o'clock because we got a meeting, you know, till two o'clock today." And he says, "Well, let me get on, get on start." We got in there and we're moving the dry boxes into the hallway to get to the wet boxes to set them apart to wipe up the stuff on the floor. Then we took the wet boxes down to the first floor here and tore them apart to separate. Them. And Carol hadn't known any of this yet. Now I'm going to tell you, my flesh was saying, "Now's the time to gripe." Now I can whine. I finally arrived at the level that I have earned the right to whine. I want you to know that that hit me right then. But you know what I did? And I, I don't know who was in my office. I forget who it was. Somebody, Because Charlie then had to leave after he helped me to go pick up a friend of mine, Richard, who's here today. Bless him. And um, I said, you know what? That's just Satan trying to get to me <laughs> <laughs> on Satan. You know, that only confirmed more that this is where God wants us to be. But I have to tell you that God allowed those two things to happen today. They could have happened last night, could have happened tomorrow. Because God wanted to test where is Stan and Kara on their calling to these people. Will they complain? Now God knows. But I want you to know that we all have that on the You are one phone call away. You are one note from a teacher away. You are one conversation in the Lanai away from someone. That could bring about some complaining in your life today. I know it. We all are there. But I'm going to tell you that it is a winnable war that we can have. Now, men that are here for a second. The very first place, the purity of the stream of a non-whining home starts from your heart, through your lips, to your mate, to your children. When you are faced with probably a lot of reasons, I won't say good ones, or excuses to whine. That you choose, watch this now, you choose to believe that this is nothing more than a light affliction for a moment because there's something unseen going on that's going to exceed even the glory that God has for you. And it's going to take you to step up to the plate to man up. And then you're going to find your wives that probably have a tendency to be that dripping woman. That they're going to calm right down because the captain of their ship is one to redirect their thinking that God is in control. It doesn't mean you deny this. We still had Charlie and I were sweating like pigs. We knew we'd stink so don't hug us. Or, or, or Charlie's probably okay. Don't hug. But the problem is still there. But the joy is not gone. And that's why we don't need to complain. Now, complaining is so serious against God for the following reasons. Just listen to this. You question God's wisdom when you say, do you really know what I'm going through? or my departments going through or my business is going through or my family is going through? Don't you see what's going on? I know that's a flesh thing, but we automatically forgot that God is in control. The invisible with the visible. The second question could be you doubt God's care when you ask, do you really love me? How much more can I carry with this? It just keeps coming one after another after another. Don't you care what's happening to me? You're questioning God's love. The the deepest core value is God loves you. The next one is you forget God's goodness when you focus on what you don't have instead of what you do have. We do have an awful lot of good stuff, don't we? I was reading my devotions today and God came to this verse for me, brought it to me, James 5, If you want to write it down, you can. Just listen to it. It's one verse long. It smacked me so hard the side of the head. It says, Do not groan, or grumble, Do not groan against one another, brethren. Watch this. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. When we begin to grumble against our parents, our mates, our kids, our boss, our employees, our staff, fellow people in the family, our church, When we begin to do that, we are condemning ourselves and the judge stands at the door of our life. And so we have to stop that. Why is he judging? Watch this now. The real sin is not the whining and the grumbling. That's all just kind of like an outward sign of an inward disease. The real sin is we've lost faith in a sovereign God and we got our eyes on our problem and now we talk about all the people that are making our life miserable, why things are really wrong, and we forgot that God... Loves us. He's got a bigger plan that we can't see. And we gotta hang, take our vitamins, stay clean and close because this journey is gonna be exciting, and we're heading to the promised land. And that's why he says, Stop it. The judge is at the door. You're knocking my sovereignty every time you allow that to happen in your family or with other people. Because God's sovereignty is the biggest thing that's being addressed. Let's go to number five. I gotta bring this to a close. This one's pretty simple. Agree to speak positively. How do I win over whining? Agree in your heart. Get an accountability partner, preferably your mate, preferably your family talk. Agree to speak positively. Whining and complaining and griping is a habit. It's a bad one. So what do you do with a bad habit? You overcome a bad habit that you know is sin by appropriating a good habit that has the power of the Holy Spirit and God behind it to infuse you with that new principle of God's word and that new habit will overcome the bad habit and you'll have what God wants you to have. So here it is. Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupt and you change that. Let no whining, griping, complaining proceed out of your mouth, but it is good for edification, that it may impart grace. Is a is person hearing this being built up? Is grace being given to them, or or is the uh, uh, joy being sucked out of them? And so we want to make sure that we're edifying them. It's necessary for edification, so that they will grow. So write it in your notes if you'd like. New phrase. I think some of you have. Anyway, here it is. Replace complaining with complimenting. Replace complaining with complimenting. Now, what are the benefits of not whining? I'm going to believe that the Spirit of God is speaking to all of us that are whiners in here that have a tendency to whining. I want to tell you that God wants to bless you when you see Him sovereignly in control of your life and you have no need to whine. I'm going to tell you what the blessings are. He says, I'm going to give you the benefits right now. For those of you that will step up, you young people, you older people, you people that have had this problem for a long time, he says, I'm going to tell you what the benefits are. Our reason to do what's right ought not to be because of something we get in the future. It ought to be because of something we already got that we forgot. What did we get that we forget? We got God as our Savior, our Lord, our personal friend, the one who's forgiven us of all of our sins, who's going to take us to heaven, who says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. It'll help us go through every problem that we have. We forget that, and we don't want to do that. And so we ought to do it because of what we already got, not what we're going to get. But God is so gracious. He's full of grace. And he says, here's what else you're going to get. Here's what you're going to be. If you choose to not whine. Number one, you'll be free from blame. You'll be free from blame. You won't be criticized. You'll have a life that can't be criticized. There's going to be people now that heard this message all about what, who whiners are and, and you know, how to overcome whining. And what's the real root of whining is the lack of belief in the sovereignty of God. If you continue to whine, people are going to say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You heard this message. You know it's to be true. Are you that prickly person? Are you living in rebellion and they're going to lose confidence in you? So if you want to be blameless, free from blame, then you have to embrace this. Number two, you'll be found having integrity, very similar to the other one. But this one I say is you have a life that's authentic. Instead of being one who talks the talk, you also talk and walk the talk that you walk and talk. Okay, So you have what we call integrity in your life. Instead of you just purporting to spout out all this Bible knowledge and how committed you are to your family or to your business or to your people or to character or whatever it is, your authenticity is going to be, what are you going to do about whining? Now, I didn't put this in here. God put it in there right next to you. Don't be grumbling. We'll do everything without grumbling. And then he says, and you'll be this. Okay, so this is the benefit of it. Number three, you'll be faultless. You'll be faultless in a warped world. The warpness of the world is that we are filled with a world full of complainers and gripers. Let, let's take a pause for a moment. Let's come up for air. How many of you are thinking of someone, not judging, just you know they're there. How many of you know of someone with where you work, they grumble a lot? At least one person, they seem to complain. All right, anybody want to raise your hand? Look at the hands. How many of you got someone in your family, not maybe local, but extended family, It just seems to be... Nyan, 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 nyan. Grumble, 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 murmur. Would you raise your hand? Don't raise your hand, Carol. Okay. <laughs> all right. Got two over here. Got people like that. Now I'm going to stop with that. We know that they're out there. That's the that's the world way, and we biblically are the antidote to the world. Now, I know we're supposed to be children of light and salt, but the light is the Lord. The salt is the Lord. That's all in us, and so we become the Lord to them in that warped world, so we will be faultless in that warped world. What, what does this mean? You'll become what I call visible. You'll be so different because when someone gives you lemons, you then make lemonade immediately. When someone says something negative, you direct it to a positive. It doesn't mean you deny the pain, you deny a real problem, you deny the things that are going wrong, you deny injustice. But it does mean that you put a spin on this thing from a biblical point of view. How do we resolve this in a good way to keep everybody on the ship so we all get to the destination? And so you become very visible. And so you don't have to get names and titles. You don't have to have power and prestige in parking places. What you get is a visibility about you that makes you so much different. Of course, that makes you a better target at times. Because people, when you stop whining and complaining, they're going to say, oh, you, 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 you're faking it or you're just one of them people, or you're whatever. You're going to hear some of that too, but you're in a good crowd then. Number two, you'll be offering eternal life. Remember the byproduct of this is that it says you'll be holding fast or holding forth the word of life, which basically means this. You're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. No matter how bad this world is, hell is worse. No matter what you're going through, they're going to go through something worse than you are for all eternity. And so you now can offer them eternal life. For perhaps maybe it's just, I know this is tough for you right now, but let me see what I can do to get through this. But let's all remember that we can have eternal life. And with that, we get a problem solver in our life. Boy, that's another whole sermon right there. So you can even use that as a witness, maybe even in your own family to put everybody back into perspective. And then number three, you can bring joy to those who mentor you. And I think about those that are around you. And here's what Paul says. So that I may rejoice. You quit grumbling. Do everything without murmuring and disputing that I may rejoice in the day of Christ at the Judgment Street, that I have not run in vain and labored in vain. I'm wondering if sometimes he wonders, I wonder if he's wondering, that because he's worked so hard and he sees so little fruit because he's around complaining people, that he's failed. And so now I'm wondering if maybe some of you that complain a lot, you've sucked the energy around the people in your life so much that they're even questioning, are they a good dad? Are they a good mom? Are they a good kid? Am I going to make it as a teenager? You know? Those of you that are bosses, are your people feeling under you that, man, I don't know. so I don't know how this is playing out where you are? Just let the Holy Spirit speak to all of us. I know He's spoken to me. And I've got people in my life that I'm accountable to. And I don't want them to lose a minute's, moment's loss of sleep. And I'll speak more practically here. As a pastor, you, you do have your accountability team, which is primarily your fellow pastors, but it's also your deacons. And so I'm wondering, you know, I, I, I don't want them to lose one night. One moment of a night's sleep because I'm a complainer and a whiner. And the worst part about it is I know that I can have a propensity to that. And you know why I do that? Because I do have a perfectionist. I want things done good, excellently. And I'll push, 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 drive, 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 drive. And I forget that none of those things matter because God's in control and He's going to move them at their speed. They belong to the Lord. They don't belong to me. That's not my church. It's His church. And I've got to redirect. And I don't want to have them hurt. I want them to have the fullness of joy. So we all work together on this. It goes on to say here, so I haven't run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, in other words, I do all of this and there are no changes, I'm glad and rejoice with you all anyway. For the same reason, you're also glad and rejoice with me. In other words, when I don't grumble, you're happy with me. I don't want to be a burden on you. You don't want to be a burden on me. We're going to work this thing out together. Alright, now, he starts this passage off with what we call a negative command. Do all things without complaining and grumbling. But he ends with a positive command when he says, For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So he says, don't do this, now rejoice. And the way we do that is the sandwich in between. By getting rid of all this junk in between, keeping our eyes on the Lord, remember who we're doing it for, and we're going to be all right. now. I'm going to move over here so you can kind of stay with me. Those of you that are our guests for a moment, I'm an expositor. An expositor means I take you through a book of the Bible. That even though my messages often will stand alone, like this one will, I do not want you to think that it's just a little sermonette for Christianettes in one little passage. To get deeper truth, some of you, why does he go so long? It's because the longer sometimes you can go, you can attach all of this by one link. Do you remember when he said, he started out by saying, That work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and do of his good pleasure. All right. God says to work out your own salvation. Now he tells you how to do this. The very first thing he says to do in working out your salvation, he says, do all things without grumbling. So some of you from last week's message that says, okay, I'm hot for you now, Lord. I want to grow. I'm ready to make that change. And so, Lord, I'm going to do it. So what's the first thing to do? Deal with your grumbling. Now, stay with me. And then he says, for it is God who works in you. So now I go back to, all right, God's not a grumbler. God doesn't complain. God doesn't murmur. God's full of joy. God's got all the things, the strengths necessary. So I'm going to let the Lord now come inside of me and I'm going to let him live out that lifestyle of more cooperation and blessing than I will be of condemnation and criticalness. And so now what I do is I link these two together and oh, how rich that is. Let God be able to bring this change in your life because some of us just by one message alone, you got the information. Some of you might be inspired enough, so you got inspiration, but it's only through partnering with God will you get the transformation.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Ponds, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.